entertaining, cool. You are listening to LA Talk Radio. We say what we want. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. I'm Brad Remillard, and this is our weekly Impact Hiring Solutions Live every Monday from 11 to noon on LA Talk Radio. You can hear myself and my partner, Barry Deutsch, talk about issues around hiring. Uh, there are two sides to hiring, and we try and focus on each and every one of them. Uh, the one side, of course, is the hiring manager, the companies, the people that are doing the hiring, the buyer, if you will. And we alternate weeks. We talk about the buyer one week and issues around the uh, hiring methodology. Last week, we had a pretty extensive uh, conversation on cultural fit. This week is turn on candidates, which is the other side of the coin. That's seller. How do you, as a candidate, get that company to want to make you an offer and bring you on board? So every week, Barry and I talk about those issues relevant to hiring, whether it be from the hiring authority, that company, or from that job seeker's perspective, trying to help shorten that job cycle or that hiring cycle for both companies and our candidates. You can be a part of this show if you determine that uh, you'd like to ask us a question and be involved. And I think candidates in particular who get upset that their search isn't going the way they want, this is your chance to participate. This is your chance to talk to people that collectively Barry and I have over 50 years of helping candidates get a job and helping companies hire. This is your opportunity to talk one-on-one with retained recruiters. So if you've complained over the last period of time where you've been in jobs, I can never get in touch with a recruiter. Those darn recruiters will never return our phone calls. We'll not only, we don't have to return it. Pick up the phone and call us, and we'll talk to you directly with your issue. All you got to do is dial 818-602-4929, and Barry and I will talk about your specific issue. This is your chance to deal with whatever stalling your job search. If your job search isn't going the way it's, you want it to go, today within the next hour is your opportunity to turbocharge your job search, to retweak that job search, to get it refocused by calling us at 818-602-4929. Now, on the other hand, if you can't get to us, you're not on a phone, you're in a noisy environment, you can email us. And you can send us an email during the show at info at impacthiringsolutions.com, info at impacthiringsolutions.com, and we'll do our best to get it on the air. We can't promise it. Sometimes we get a bunch of emails before because we do a lot of Twittering on this show coming up. Sometimes we don't have a chance to get it but if uh, during the show, but we do our best. So if you have one, send us in at info at impacthiringsolutions.com, but Hands down, if you want to talk to a recruiter, if you want to turbocharge your search, you want to unstall your search, the best way to do that is pick up the phone and call us at 818-602-4929. So today we're going to talk about candidates. Today, Last week was hiring managers. This week is on candidates and what candidates can do to get past that box-checking mentality by many hiring managers. 
the concept of, have you done this? Do you have this? Can you do this? Now, we talked a little bit about that last time and how Barry and I actually do box check an interview. I mean, sorry, a resume. Uh, if certain things are on the resume or you don't pass certain geographical criteria or industries, yeah, we do box check. But we're going to talk today a little bit more about the interview. You've already got past the resume. The company has already peaked. You've already peaked their interest in you. They've thought highly enough of you either because they've had a phone interview or they've seen your resume to bring you into the interview, and now they start box checking. Maybe it's HR. Maybe it's the hiring manager. But they start going through this list of things to do. Barry, you want to kick it off and start about where you want to go down this path to that box checking? Well, let, let's first kind of balance this with where we are in the economic cycle. Now, now, Brad and I have been together for 25 to 30 years doing executive search together. We've probably been through five to six major recessions. This, of course, is brought by far probably one of the worst we've ever seen. But one of the trends that occurs during a down job market is that employers move from literally taking anybody who could fog a glass sometimes because they're in such a desperate need to hire and fill roles when the, the market is at a high point to when it's at a low point like this, they are uh, anal retentive about checking every single box. And if you sometimes miss one little tiny element in terms of skill, experience, industry, geographic focus, uh, attribute, bang, you're blacklisted and the interview ends and you're never called back again. Um, and, and that's just a natural cycle of, of where we are. More box checking goes on in a down economic market. What Brad and I want to talk today is about how do you step out of that box checking trap so that when the interview ends, and the employer's doing either their mental assessment, they're writing on the back of an envelope, they're scribbling notes in the margin of your resume. How do you get out of, oh, Brad doesn't have precise experience in uh, you know, writing RFPs for electromechanical devices, but he's done it in every other OEM subcomponent area? How do you avoid getting tr into that trap? And today we're going to talk a little about how you change the dialogue in the interview, how you begin to assert a little bit of control and you guide the hiring manager to realize you're the person that can deliver outcomes and results versus they're hiring a bunch of skills and experiences, none of which truly lead to success. And we're going to talk more about that. Brad, any, any thoughts? No, I'm ready to jump into it. Barry. Where do you think that first box check starts? What do you think that first elimination gate? If you look at this as a series of gates you've got to get through. Uh, you know, maybe there's eight of them, maybe there's ten of them, maybe there's two of them. I don't know what they are, but if you know, if the gate's locked, you're not getting through. What are some of the gates you got to get through? And then, what are the keys to unlocking those gates that you think kind of if there's a funnel uh, that that uh, recruiters, companies, hiring manager use to screen people? What do you think that? First level is, second level, third level as you go through it, and maybe we can walk the listeners through this one by one. Um, I realize there's no magic path. There's no guaranteed this is going to happen every time, but let's talk generically and in, in generalities. Where do you think that first gate is you got to get through, and if you don't get past that, hey, you know, you didn't unlock the gate, and we're going to move on. I think the first gate 
and that's a great way to frame it up, Brad. I think the first gate is the stupid initial question that 99% of all hiring managers and executives ask, which is a throwaway question. They've learned it because they were asked the same question 32 years ago, and no one, no one has ever told them anything different. So they think this is the way you start an interview. Um, and it is a rapport building it's not even rapport building. L- let me just say it's a measure of your energy. They think it's a measure. It's not a real measure, but it- they think it's a measure of your energy, your intensity, your inquisitiveness, how much they like you, your relationship skills. Um, are you enthusiastic? And the question takes the form usually in one of three ways. And there's other variations on this, but I'm going to say 80-20 rule, 80% of the time it's going to come at you like this. First interview question, tell me about yourself. What do you think you could do for us? What do you know about our company? It's going to come in one of those three forms, and, and, and the vast majority of times, it's going to be that throwaway question of, tell me a little about yourself. We're, we're, you don't really know whether, do I start a kindergarten and work forward? Do I take my most current job? Do I take an hour to do this? Do I take five minutes to do this? But I will guarantee you that's the first gate. That's the box checking gate of do I like you and what the hiring manager is measuring. So even though Brad and I consider this to be a ridiculous, stupid, inane, canned interview question that really doesn't shed any light onto who you are, it is one of the most common interview questions that hiring managers ask because they don't know any different. And if you don't, if you're not successful at that first gate, you're never going to get a chance to show anything else about yourself. You know, let me, I think that is exactly where people start. And I think, and as you've, both of us know, because we've seen them on Twitter, we've got questions, we've gotten uh, blogs, question comments on it. Um, This is one of the questions that we always hear candidates say, I hate that question. And yet, there's a great way to turn that into your favor. In fact, there are multiple articles on this exact question. How do I answer the tell me about yourself question on our blog? We have written extensively how to write, answer this question, and there is a way to do it. In fact, I would suggest that not only is this a dumb question, but it is so dumb, you as a candidate can take full advantage of this and take this as a golden opportunity to really set the tone for the interview. It's one of those truly examples of taking a lemon and making lemonade. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling on this question, or you hate this question, go to our uh, website, impacthiringsolutions.com. Go to the top where it says candidates. There'll be a drop-down menu from there. You'll see free resources, and then you'll see career blog. Go to our career blog and search under tell me about yourself. And we have a complete article exactly how you can take that, as Barry said, inane throwaway question. And you can use that as a weapon in your arsenal to completely begin to control the interview and make that a positive statement question instead of looking at it like deer in the headlights because you hate that question. That exact question is 
on our blog, and we wrote an extensive article on that, and I would encourage you to go to impacthiringsolutions.com. You can go cut shortcut it by going impacthiringsolutions.com forward slash career blog, and then the top you'll see a search. Just search on, right? type in, tell me about yourself, and that article will come up because, Barry, I think you hit the nail on the head of how frustrated candidates are with this question. Now, as, as many of you who follow Brad and I know, um, we focus on teaching hiring managers to extract performance first from candidates, how to measure can the person really do the job, and then secondly, decide once they've determined the person can do the job, do they fit in our culture, can they adapt to our environment, am I going to be able to work with them effectively, what's their real style like versus their interview style, but we suggest doing that second. Now, that thousands of companies around the world have implemented this and dramatically raised their hiring accuracy, but there's millions of companies that have not done that who don't do it that way, and the first thing they measure is what's called likability or rapport. I saw a study a long time ago, and I actually have the article. I pull it out every time I make a presentation. I talk about it. Uh, it was written by one of the sister publications of the Dow Jones organization, and, and the article had done – the, the author had done a lot of research, and he said something like 80% of all hiring decisions were based on personal rapport and likability that to some degree were determined right in the very first question within the first few seconds. So as Brad just indicated, one of the things is although we hate this, we think it's ridiculous, stupid, inane, canned, and doesn't shed any light, you still must be able to get through it. So so Brad, take, take a moment and, and maybe share with our listeners how do they go about turning that around to their advantage and get past that gate? And then we'll jump into some of the things you can start to do when the real box checking occurs. Yeah, well, some of the things – think about it. I mean they've basically thrown you a wide open question. This is your opportunity to sell yourself any way you want. Like Barry said, you can go back to kindergarten and start talking about your kindergarten, but it's not relevant to the job. This is a golden opportunity for you in less than a minute, and I believe you've got to answer this question in less than a minute. And every prepared candidate, every candidate Barry and I coach through our coaching university, we spend time making sure that candidates have a well-thought-out, prepared answer to this question because we know it's coming. But this is a golden opportunity for you to answer this question with your strengths, with your accomplishments, a golden opportunity to align your background directly with the job. This is not the time to ramble about in generic, well, let me take you back to, let me, let's start back at my career. I graduated and I worked with Rockwell. Who cares? This is your chance to understand what that person is looking for and align your accomplishments, your skills, your education directly with it. This is the opportunity to set the tone of the interview that says, I am highly qualified for this job and here's why. And you go through some of your key accomplishments that align directly with the job. Now, I don't buy this concept that says, well, I don't know the job. 
Well, if you don't know the job, you shouldn't be sitting in that chair. If you've been a CFO, if you've been a sales rep, if you've been a supply chain manager, you've been in human resources, you've been a manufacturing, you've been a software developer, you know the key important things that are required in that job. Heck, you've been doing them for X number of years. You may have hired people. What do you look for when you hire people? When you've interviewed people, what are those key things? Take that and turn it around and use it to put ammunition in your gun and start shooting. So take – don't go back. I just sat in an interview. I was in Houston last week, and I sat in an interview, and basically I'm with a client, and basically the client kind of asked that same question. And all of the candidates started back with when they graduated from college or they started back with, let me take you back. In my, and they gave us, they regurgitated, as you like to say, Barry, they regurgitated their resume in generic, high-level, general terms that meant nothing. Rather than, and I had already told them exactly, point by point by point, here's exactly what you're going to be dealing with. I gave them when I interviewed the candidate. I mean, I was so specific. All they had to do was take the points in their background now and highlight it specific to this job, and they had to hit the ball out of the park before the, within three minutes of the interview starting. The client would have been foaming at the mouth, and yet all went back. So I say the key thing is this is where you set the tone. This is where you align the background. This is where you have this open field to choose from. It's not a narrow question like give me an example. It's this open field. Take advantage of it. Barry, no comment? Did I lose you? um, No, I'm still here. I was just reflecting on to structure that response. Do you have any specific advice? For example, I'll just I'll I'll throw out my the the advice that I typically give to candidates. And and by the way, we spend time talking about how to structure your interview responses in our book that we've written, our workbook. Through specific exercises, practice, techniques, based on, you know, having met hundreds of thousands of candidates and worked with thousands of companies over the last quarter of a century, we've identified some of the key things and how you structure your response. But but one of the things you could do for this specific question is is say back to the hiring manager, because you can't grab control yet. You got to answer the first question at least. Wouldn't you agree, Brad? Absolutely. Of course. All right, so you answer the first question. It goes something like this. I I might say, Mr. Hiring Manager, how about if I take about 15 minutes and I I cycle back through each of my jobs and I'll share with you why I went to that job, the reason for leaving that job, and I'll highlight one or two specific accomplishments that I'm most proud of in each of those roles. And if, by the way, you've got any questions you want to delve in a little deeper, by all means, just interrupt me and ask me a question about it. Uh, would, Would that be fair to do that? Because when hiring managers ask you this question, they, they really they have no preconceived notion of the way you should answer it. It's a throwaway question. They're asking it because they don't have a better question to ask. So they throw it out there, and they want to just see what happens. Well, one of the first things you can do to be effective is to begin to organize how you're going to respond to that question. And then as Brad said, every job, every job, has its basic core elements of success. I I wrote a recent blog about this exact issue. And again, as Brad said, you can go to that blog. It's probably a a six, seven hundred word essay on 
what are the key how do you understand what the key elements are for that specific job whether it's manager of inventory control director of supply chain management vice president of marketing and sales for a, a legal services firm whatever the issue is there're going to be three or four things the hiring manager is going to want to hear about your accomplishments in those kind of areas don't talk about stuff that's irrelevant to the job focus on the accomplishments that you know they're going to want to hear about all right, now you get through that question. You've spent 15 to 20 minutes on it. You've shared your most significant personal accomplishments, the things you're most proud of. And before you take a breath, at the end, after you give your last one, you might say to the hiring manager, you might say, Barry, would you mind sharing with me, now that I've, I've kind of shared my personal accomplishments with you and the things I've done, what do you see as the top three or four accomplishments that are required in this job to be successful. And that one question at the end of this first gate will dramatically transform the remainder of the entire interview. Brad, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think that's your real – in our book – uh, and this is where I think most mechanic- candidates make a mistake, and this is where I think why I think most candidates that I talk to uh, they get so frustrated in their search because they're only sixty percent effective in their job search. There are so many little things they leave on the table that they never they don't even realize they're doing it. And uh, you know, y- to be effective in this economy, you got to you got to be running a job search effective rate at about ninety percent, and I think my experience has been most at about sixty percent at best. At best, yeah. Uh, and, and you know we we see it all the time, uh, but that we call that in our book. This is where you begin to reengage. This is where you d- set a dialogue. This is where you begin to reengage that person to ensure that you're on track with them. You're, they're tracking you. You are on the same wavelength. You're answering the question that they want to be, that they want. So you have reengaged them either to gather information to help you go further, or to Determine if you answered the question and gather information if they need more, if they want more information, go deeper. But this reengagement is absolutely critical for you as the candidate to ensure you're on track and the, and the interview is moving along lines. Plus, it's a way of reengaging the person. Candidates often ramble in an interview, they kind of take the approach that says, I'm not really sure what they're looking for in that question, so I'll spend the next three to five minutes covering everything, and I'm sure if I've covered everything, I've covered what they want. The problem is the, the hiring manager has glazed over. They've checked out on you. Uh, I mentioned this interviews that we just had recently last week with this hiring manager. I could see by the hiring manager's reaction when he had the candidate had uh, he the candidate lost him. He was glazed over, the, and the, the candidate didn't. And were about a 50%, 60% accuracy. They didn't know how to re-engage him and bring him back into the conversation. That is a huge mistake that candidates make. You know, I'd like to come back to a point that you just made um, at the very beginning of, of what you were talking about a moment ago. Is this idea that there's, you know, job search effectiveness, and there's so many different things to do. I, I, I'm just starting this blog series on our career and job search blog after some candidates have uh, have written what do i do next i'm doing everything i can do there's nothing else to do i'm not getting any results and, and my contention is 
there are hundreds of things to do. And most job seekers at a managerial and executive level don't do even a small portion of them. Most job searches go like this. I write one draft of my resume. I write a standard cover letter if I even use a cover letter. And 90% of my job search efforts are talking to friends and family and answering job ads online. Would you agree, Brad? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, quite candidly, without trying to do a commercial of any great degree, that's what this book is all about. I mean, we took the, I took a year and a half to write this book, Barry. We took a lot of time to put this together, a lot of effort to identify how does a candidate move from that 60% to that 90%? And what are some of the basic mistakes that candidates don't even know they're making? The thousands of times we've heard feedback from hiring managers, the thousands of times HR, uh, the thousands of times that candidates don't get past recruiters, and we consolidate into this workbook. I mean, I, I tell people when they get the book, don't read the book. The book is not meant to be read. It's a workbook. It's meant to be followed. It's really to get you to move that 60% into that 90% is because that's the difference in getting a job. And I find that these little gates that we're talking about, the tell me about yourself question, the follow-up, the re-engagement, is in the interviewing side where the candidates fall flat on their face. And they don't even know it. They walk out. Now, I had five interviews uh, last week with this client. Only three of them. I'm sorry, three of them, I got a call back and tell them they fell flat on their face. I've already gotten emails from them thinking they did great. Boy, what a disconnect because they're at 50 to 60% effective in their interviewing, and they don't take the time to move to that 80 to 90%. Well, so I'm writing this article, this series of articles called 101 Job Search Tactics. And and all it is is here's what else you could do. Here's what else you could do. Here's what else you could do. I mean, just just this whole area of here's prepare a better response to the tell me about yourself question. That's one tactic. You can't afford as a candidate to get to an interview and it's it's such a precious thing to actually be granted either a phone interview or a physical interview. Every one of those has to be looked at as a golden opportunity in this kind of economy. And to be excluded and rejected at the first gate is just nonsense. Yet many candidates walk into an interview. And Brad and I are interviewing every week, every day. They come into a phone interview or they come into a physical interview with an attitude of, my background speaks for itself. And you know what? If you can't figure that out, Mr. Recruiter, Barry, Brad, Mr. Hiring Manager, Miss Human Resource Professional, screw you. And unfortunately, you never realize, this is the disconnect Brad was just talking about, you never realize even though they, you spent a half an hour with them, they tuned out after the first 30 seconds. And you can't afford to let that happen because all that hard work in this kind of economy of just getting an interview – then you blow it in the interview. So tip number one from this radio program is have a better response to the tell me about yourself question. And again, we spend a lot of time in our book, our workbook, on how to do that specifically. Yeah, I 
uh, you know, I don't want to be redundant here, but I think that is such a key for candidates to, to, to really understand. Uh, just, I just, boy, I just stress it so much. Uh, I was at a meeting last week and I said to somebody how a candidate had blown an interview because the hiring manager called me back and said, well, when I asked the guy a question, if he had any questions for him, he basically said no. And obviously, I don't think he's interested in showing any depth. And I'm in this table. I'm around this group of people, and there's maybe 10 to 15 big senior executives. And they all kind of laughed, like, oh, I'd never do that. And I said, stop. Don't laugh. You may not do that one thing, but I'll guarantee you I could go through every single person here at this table and find one or two silly, dumb, unprepared mistakes you're making in your resume. That was his Everybody's here has got them, and that's why most of you aren't finding a job. And the sad thing is, Barry, in today's economy, candidates may only get one bite at the apple every three to six months. So when you get that one shot, you can't afford to make a mistake. You have to be online. It's like, I mean, it's somewhat like golf. You only get one swing. If it goes out of bounds, you're out of bounds. You don't. It's not tennis where you get a do-over if you hit the net. In hiring, you get one bite at the at the apple. Rarely does anybody bring you back after you've blown an interview. And candidates don't get that. They have to be so well tuned. That's why we spend such an enormous amount of time when we're coaching candidates in our university. Getting them prepared, getting them so well tuned, they are a race car or a thoroughbred, not some you know recall Toyota. It's huge. Okay, so now we've gotten through that first step, uh, and our next step is then we're going to receive from the hiring manager a series of questions. The hiring manager, human resource professional, recruiter has in front of them the traditional job description. And although our contention is, is that the traditional job description is a worthless document for predicting future success. And in the thousands of companies, once again, that have actually implemented our success factor methodology and built success factor snapshots to more effectively assess and evaluate candidates, their hiring accuracy has increased dramatically. There are still millions of companies that have not, shall we call it, reached the tipping point of changing the way this process works. It is still the same tribal process that every generation has used since the beginning of time. My boss used a job description to evaluate me. Her boss used a job description They learned it from the old guy in our company who learned it from the dead guy. We just perpetuated generation after generation. So you can pretty much assume that in 9 out of 10 interviews, somebody's got a job description. They're checking off on duties, responsibilities, traits, behaviors, skills, knowledge, specific industries, specific technical capability, experiences, length of experience, and all those other pieces, that there's no way you can win at that. You are never going to have 100% or 90% of what a company is looking for. In fact, if Brad and I – Brad and I have probably worked on over a 1,000 searches in the quarter of a century we've been together. 
if we had to depend on candidates who had 100% or 90% of what was on a job description, even 80%, we instead of making 1,000 placements in executive searches and retained search, we probably would have made five. So how do you overcome this? Well, you have to be able to now be assert some control in the interview and turn the interview around to be focused on what the hiring manager's needs are in the role versus what's on the traditional job description. Or another way of thinking about this is you have to focus not on the inputs of what the hiring manager believes is required in the job, but on the outputs of what the results, outcomes, deliverables, expectations, metrics, objectives, value brought to the business is. So what do you think the next gate is, Barry? Now we've re-engaged. What do you think that next gate is that they're going to walk through? I think the next major gate is one around experience. The hiring manager is going to look down at your resume at your last few jobs. Let's assume you've had appropriate titles. You've been in you know, recognized companies. You've got a decent track record, and they're going to start asking you questions about Have you done this? Have you had experience with this? Have you been exposed in this area? Let's give a specific example. Let's pretend you're interviewing for a job as a director of sales. And one of the requirements in this job is that you've worked with specific size distributors in a specific industry segment in a specific geographic market. That's what's on the job description. Might say something like, candidate has experience with distributors of five to $10 million servicing the construction and architectural markets in the Southwest. Let's pretend for a minute that although you've worked with distributors you don't have experience in the construction and architectural industry. That's box checking gate number two. Your background is not aligned with what's on the job description for geography, experience, length of experience, type of market, type of products, type of services. How do you overcome that? Yeah, I think that's where you have to go through this uh, transferable skills, transferable experiences, transferable, as you and I talk, accomplishments with verifiable results. You look for that alignment. Uh, This is part of doing your homework up front. And I think it's also in being so well prepared that you're able to communicate that effectively with energy, with enthusiasm, with confidence. That the person looks at you and thinks, you know what? Even if they're not dead on, they certainly sure have the fundamental rights, and they're smart enough, bright enough, communicate well, and but they'll fit this. They'll fit this in really well, which goes back to the preparation that you and I spend hours upon helping people get over, get through. And and let's just role play this for a minute, Brad. So Brad says to me, he's interviewing me. He says, Barry, have you had experience working with distributors in the Southwest for the construction and architectural industries? I might come back and say, 
I might say, Brad, as you can see from my resume, I've never had that specific experience. But what I found is that in working with comparable industries, segments, services, and products, here are the four key issues I've faced in working with distributors and some of the things that we've had to work on to overcome these problems and issues. Tell me, are any of your problems aligned with these kinds of issues? For example, I might say one of the key issues in working with distributors we found is that they're carrying multiple different products and lines. We may not be one of the most significant lines they carry, yet we want them to go out and do our bidding and our work for us. We have found that we've had to do a lot of training, coaching. We've had to put on distributor webinars. We've had to use WebEx and other tools, and we've constantly had to reinforce and support the distributor so they get excited and enthusiastic about our product lines. In my last job, for example, I did these three significant initiatives that increased our distributor penetration in the market from 32% to 98%. Has that been one of your issues you're currently facing? So notice, what did I do in the response to that? I acknowledged, I didn't try to lie or, or glean over it, I acknowledged that I had not had specific experience in that industry. It's obvious from my resume. I drew a comparison and a comparable adaptability to the other in. I talked about the three or four key issues that are usually faced in working with distributors. I shared a few of my key accomplishments in overcoming those, and then I tried to engage, as Brad talked about a moment ago, the hiring manager in, are you facing a similar issue? And, and we all know that in 99% of the cases, that is going to be one of the primary issues a company faces in working with distributors that carry multiple lines of which you're just one of in trying to get the distributor to put more attention on your particular lines. And suddenly, the hiring manager is beginning to talk to you about, you know, that's very interesting, Barry. That's the exact problem we're facing. We'd like that distributor to be covering 50% of the market for us, and right now it's probably less than 15%, and we have really been struggling in how to overcome that. What do you think would be two or three things we could do in the construction and architectural space? Now, notice what's just happened. We've moved from an interrogation of box checking. Do you have this? Have you done this? Do you have the specific knowledge, experience, and skills? To now we're into a consulting dialogue about how to solve the problem. Brad, your thoughts? I think that's exactly right because what you've changed to from a – what you've really done, and we talk about this extensively in our book. I mean, we must have – I don't know, five, six chapters just on interviewing from the phone interviewing on through the follow-up in our book. Uh, what you've really done is you've redirected. Magicians use this all the time. It's called redirection. They get you to look one way where they're doing something else and you don't see it. This is a very subtle way of redirecting away from the box checking into a dialogue. Barry, just the way you answered that, you move the question away from the person's next box checking unless they're just an anal retentive box checker and you've got to decide if you want to work for that person. But you've moved the direction away. Now you're beginning on a dialogue. Now you're beginning an engagement. Now you've re-engaged them with a question that begins a dialogue about their issues. So you're re-engaged. You're, you're, now you're gathering information for as the, conver- as the interview continues. 
So you can better fo- continue to focus your question. You've diffused the box checking because you told them right up front, I don't have that exact experience. So they're not expecting it. They already know it anyway. So just in answering the technique of that one question takes a 60%, a 60% effective job search to a 75%. How many candidates listening to this know how to do that? How many candidates have practiced to know how to do that so they come off the way you just did, Barry, because you and I have done this thousands of times. They come off unrehearsed. They come off like they just thought this up in the interview. And the hiring manager is engaged with them now. And guess who's controlling the interview? You are the one asking the question. You are now subtly controlling the interview because you never wanted to appear like you're controlling the interview because that'll really becomes a tug of war between you and the and the hire and the, and the person doing the interviewing but you've done that subtly it is a great technique that most candidates need to practice because it isn't second nature to, to, to doing that but it's really really important to run an effective search and, and or effective funny, interview the funny thing is even people who are well-trained in using those techniques in their job, i.e. very sophisticated sales executives, sales managers, sales you know, VPs or directors, fail miserably at it. So the most common method of, uh, of high-end sales is called solution selling, spin selling. It's about uncovering your client's needs. It's about asking questions. It's about drawing comparability, similar experiences. Um, having a consulting dialogue around the issues versus trying to cram what you offer down someone's throat. Most candidates interview by trying to cram their experience down the hiring manager's throat. And, And they don't draw any comparisons. They don't ask questions. They don't engage in conversation. It's just, here's what I've done. Take it or leave it. And I, I, Brad, if I could make a suggestion, I'd tell everybody to go out and buy that book that was published, I don't know, 20-some years ago called Spin Selling. I tell oh, people it's a great go, book. I, I tell people to go out and buy Tony Robbins' book, Unlimited. I think it's called Unlimited Power, and, and focus it on the chapter where he talks about neuro-linguistic programming, about mirroring and understanding what people's needs are and engaging in similar conversation and tone. I mean, just all these little things that make a difference in the interview. Versus, I'm who I am, it's not going to change, take my experience or leave it. I'll give you the perfect example. I'm interviewing a senior sales executive for a very high-end sales role for one of my clients, architectural signage. This is a three to $400,000 a year personal income W-2 sales position. I'm talking to someone who's not in that industry. So we get through the interview. He tells me all about his experience. Not once has he so far asked me how is, you know, what's the comparability. He hasn't asked any questions. He hasn't built any bridges. He hasn't shown any form of, oh, this might be similar here. He actually could have been a very good candidate. He's, he's uh, selling at the same level, same kind of companies. It would be very easy for him to, instead of selling to human, he's selling high-end corporate insurance, to move from selling to a human resource executive and CFO to now selling to the chief marketing officer, the head of facilities, the head of construction for corporations. 
Very easy transition to make. Not once in the interview did he draw that comparison. Not once did he ask me a question. At the very end, I challenged him and I said, I, you know, Bob, I just, I'm not sure I see the connection of you being able to easily transition from you selling insurance services to human resources and, and financial executives to selling to the marketing side of the house, construction, uh, store management, that side. And you know what his response was? Yeah, you're probably right. I, I was just dumbfounded. Now, my client's paying me buku bucks. It's a ex- retained executive search to show him a candidate that can prove they could do that job from day one. Why would I put this person in front of my client and be humiliated and embarrassed because the interview would be over in 30 seconds? Yet yeah. this is a guy who uses solution selling, spin selling, interaction, engagement, relationship building every day of his existing job, yet he couldn't think of how to apply it in an interview setting. I, I was just dumbfounded. And the funny thing is he's not the exception to the rule. He's the, he's the, he is the rule. Oh, absolutely. He's the rule. Uh, no and question. So we, we come back to this idea of you can't afford to get to the interview and blow it at this stage. That guy should have easily been able to get past me. He should have easily been able to get to my client, and he should have been able to be able, uh, from a phone interview, to be granted a physical in-person interview in their offices. Yet he blew it in the first few minutes of our phone discussion. So, Barry, we got probably less than five minutes to go here. Um, so you want to summarize the three or four things. If we, we got li- literally about four minutes to go, and I, I want to leave the people, with our listeners, and those that will download this from our website or from LA Talk Radio or, a, or from a podcast, I want to leave them with uh, three or four concrete things, and you got uh, literally four minutes to do it. Okay. Here's a summary and then where you can go for more information. Number one. Do not allow yourself to be interrogated and box-checked in the interview. Do you have this? Do you have that? You don't have this. You haven't been in this industry. You don't have this geographic focus. It starts with the number one gate of tell me about yourself. That's got to be a well-rehearsed, well-defined, practiced issue that, that really sucks the hiring manager in and engages them into a discussion of the real issues so you begin to move the interview from an interrogation to a consultative dialogue. The second level, a gate, and and Brad, we could have probably spent four hours on this one subject, but the second level gate is a box check off the traditional job description of, do you have this experience, this length of experience, exposure to these markets, products, services, and so forth. And one of the things you've got to be able to do in that is build bridges, draw comparisons, Ask questions, engage the hiring manager, pull them in, turn it into a dialogue and conversation. 90% or more of all candidates sit back and allow themselves to be interrogated, think they did a great job, and they never get asked the next, next step. Brad and I have written extensively. We've created an entire workbook that shows you step by step. And I mean, I mean the workbook is so cheap. You know, in the thirty to forty dollar range, compared to if you made that little investment, what's the effect of getting one more interview, one more face to face interview, one more offer? But here, here's the most interesting part: in the last two years, 
Brad and I have probably blogged every single page, tip, technique under the sun from that workbook on our blog. We've put up free tools. We've even thrown out some some versions of those templates. Now, if you want the workbook all in one place that's easy to just open up and go through it, you can invest. But you should come to our blog, download the different tools, read the articles we've written on interviewing, how to turn the interview around, how to uh, respond to a specific question. Brad, how many audio programs do we have posted now? Oh, I don't know. It's got to be 30 to 40. There are 30, We take every one been- of these audio programs and we put it up in our free audio library that you can go back and download every single one we've talked about in how to interview, how to overcome these problems, how to answer that first tell me about yourself question. And the material we have is but one small ripple in the pond. There's a wealth of great material out there. And if you're a job search candidate at a managerial or executive level and you're not doing job search research – to find out what the best practices are, to take these free tools, the audio programs, the templates, the content that we've provided to improve your job search, you don't deserve to get to the next level. So join us in the future every week here on LA Talk Radio Live as we talk alternate week by week about topics for hiring managers and those conducting a job search. Go to our blog Download some of those articles, search through our audio library for comparable illustrations, and use many of these tools, techniques, and techniques that Brad and I have talked about for the last couple of years to dramatically improve your job search. Brad, any final thoughts? Nope, that should do it, and uh, we could probably should continue on this conversation because you're right, it is a much lengthier conversation. We have time to go over in 50 minutes, but uh, we can uh, look at that coming up in April. With that, uh, our time is up, and uh, please go to our website. Take advantage of these free offers. Join us at impacthiringsolutions.com. Until next Monday at 11 a.m. here on L.A. Talk Radio, look forward to seeing you. You're listening to Impact Hiring Solutions with Brad Remillard and Barry Deutsch. Only on L.A. Talk Radio. 